Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I've got special guest Jay from TheGrillCoach.com, and this episode is going to make you hungry. I'm, I'm just letting you know right off the bat, so don't plan on listening to this until you're about to eat because your mouth is going to be watering. We dive into all things grilling, how to grill, when to grill, what makes the best meat in grilling. It's all here, ladies and gents. If you want to perfect grilling, you tune into this podcast and you'll be good to go. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I'm always down to talk about food. I'm sure most of us are, and you can't go wrong when it comes to cooking food over an open flame. So we dive into that in great detail. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Like I said, I hope you do as well. So without further ado, sit back, relax, tune in, get your meat marinating, and get your grills and your coals fired up. Jay, how are you, man? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on today. Excited. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. So I found out about you through Adam, I believe. How do y'all know each other? Man, Adam is a, you know, he he's a hustling guy, man. And he <laughs> got in front of he got in front of me some way, somehow. And I don't know, but now he's just an integral part of my life. And so he's doing his pod pals. He's doing his podcast business school. And he's just such an integral part. I think if you're have a podcast platform if you want to do anything i feel like you got to get in touch with that guy and really learn from him yeah man adam adam's top flat i actually had a podcast with him this morning uh, we were just talking you know he he's he's a good friend of mine and he just got a lot of character a lot of attitude a lot of character um freaking love that guy but uh he he dives into the specifics of like the podcasting or the business you know funnels workflows and whatnot um, and I'm all about diving into the the nuance, the intricacies, and just getting the details. And I really am excited to talk to you because you are that within the realms of all things grilling. You're the grill coach master. That's right, man. You know, uh, it's all about just grilling, barbecuing, cooking outside, you know. And the one thing that I think especially is you can gain a whole lot by taking control of what you do, you know, with some simple tools getting outside, adding some smoke and some charcoal or any kind of things like that. Those are the kind of things that doesn't come with uh, added cost of calories or, or a bunch of additives or something, whatnot, but you can keep it natural. You can keep it yours. And it's like, you'll find yourself better. Like instead of going out and spending a bunch of money, man, let me just get some quality product and I'll take care of it myself. hundred percent, man. I'm, I'm excited to dive into this because grilling and just cooking outside. I mean, there's like a certain, ambiance that comes with you know watching your food cook over a bed of coals that you've built like you just don't get that if you're doing everything in an instant pot that's true i mean it, it just first off the connotation is just if i say hey man come over for lunch you know you think we might have sandwich salads or pasta or something but i say come over for barbecue you know now it's like oh i'm putting on shorts and i'm putting on the hawaiian shirt you know we're gonna <laughs> chill you know so it's like it just already has that connotation. But then also you have an expectation of flavor. I mm -hmm. mean, when do you eat a salad and sometimes and you start comparing it to the best salad you ever had or a sandwich to say, oh, you know what? This person makes a really good sandwich. You know, but when you eat a rib or when you have, you know, a steak or you have something that was grilled, you immediately start thinking back to like those other times. And it's always like that comparison immediately. You know, Shoot, yeah, man. it's an art form. Yeah. And, and that's what we try to teach people in the grill coach is that you're you're in charge of your craft. You know, so one of the things like we talk about is trimming meats. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have the choice. You can buy the untrimmed or the trimmed. And we say no matter what, you need to still trim it because it's like you're still sort of like 
this is your craft. You're in charge of that. And you want to maintain what you're going to have outward on, on the outset of it. So it's like, you know, you, you take control of it, you know what I mean? And you trim it, you know, don't expect some butcher who's not knowing what you want to eat or what you want to cook. Don't expect them to do it for you. It's like, no, nah, you, you take control. hundred percent, man. Let's rewind way back and talk about the beginning. What, what got you interested in perfecting the grilling technique in the first place? Like what, what inspired you to create a brand around this? Wow. So, you know, one of the things is really is just at heart, I'm, I'm a teacher, I'm a mentor. It's one of those things like if I find something, I, I immediately want to share it. And I realize that barbecue guys and true barbecue guys are really like this. We don't spend time, you know, I, like if I'm going to make a brisket first, I'm taking time to figure out where to buy it. I'm taking a lot of time to prep it, a lot of time to cook it. And I don't just do that for myself. So it's like, I want to do that and I want to share and I want to say, hey, wow, look at this, you know what I mean, and share this. So it's that same sort of principle that I've actually recruited a couple of my close partners that had different skill sets than I do and different aspects. And so um, it was a matter of like, hey, we can reach people because I would constantly get the questions, you know, the stuff that we deal with on our show all the time. As soon as you get known as a barbecue guy, you know, People want to have these conversations or those conversations. So, um, one, it's a good release. It's a good stress reliever for me. It's something to like gets me creative away from the day job. Mm -hmm. But then also, it's like I, I've been really like feeling like okay, this is sort of a gift that I got because um, it's just it's just I guess it's come so naturally and it's just such a passion of mine and to help people. When I'm getting emails back or we're getting screenshots on Instagram of people, what they did and they're creating memories for their families. I mean, there, there's if I feel satisfied, you know, it's like that. That's that's the purpose. You know, it's like we're not here to try to build some big you know, business to make money or something like that. We're really here to impact families. And it's just a way to like, hey, we can get to people like this and, and this is our niche. We can do it. And at the end of the day, we're sort of just talking the stuff that we already love. You know, now we're just expanding that audience. Totally, man. I, I'm generally opposed to, you know, putting food on a pedestal and, and just creating this, you know, hype around it because I feel like in, in my niche, in my audience, a lot of people obsess over foods and it becomes a negative. However, the caveat to that is I, I have an exception for like cooking meats and barbecuing, especially if it's from food that you've harvest yourself like I'm a big you know avid hunter and the whole process from like harvesting your own food you know preparing processing cooking your own food and then letting it nourish your body like that whole full circle you know cycle of life phenomena that comes with cooking food like the old-fashioned way over a barbecue pit like it's that is one aspect of food that I am all about and I think people would benefit from diving deeper into that genre Exactly. One of the things I said, like, you know, if when you're in charge of the craft or when you're in charge of this, it's like it's more it's less. I would say not necessarily natural state, but it's like, you know, what was put in there. Like, I'm, I'm really against buying pre-season meats, you mm -hmm. know, from any store because I don't know what they put in there. I don't know what they did to that, you know, and it's like I want to have control of what that is. I want to have control of what my family and I are eating. Yeah. Totally. I got a seriously personal question for you. Ready for this? Ready. If you could only pick pork ribs or beef ribs for the rest of your life, which would it be? 
Man, that that is that's almost like fighting words right there. That's like <laughs> I knew it would be. I knew it would be. Yeah, it's like you can have me on recording saying this and that, you know. <laughs> but wow, you know. Here, here's let me just put up where we're where we're uh, um, what we're deciding against. Beef ribs are extremely rich and fatty, and just it's buttery. You know, it's just like when you when you have it cooked well, it, it is almost eaten just like meat flavored butter, mm-hmm. you know, where you almost feel like dirty or sinful because you're eating this. And mm-hmm. it's like you're not supposed to be enjoying something like this, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and then on the pork rib side, the pork rib side is another one where it's like when you get them and they go to that next level, it's like it creates just that sensation like. You, you know, you just you just want to keep gnawing at that bone. You know, it's like you just can't get enough. You know, you get the savor, you get the sweet, you, you get that meat umami, you know. And so it's just like you just want to keep going on those. Totally. But um, so if I got to choose, which is a hard choice, <laughs> I, I would go the pork ribs. Because, go with the pork ribs, huh? Because I can keep eating that. The, the richness and the fattiness of the beef ribs, after a while, it's like, okay, I'm tapped out. It's too much. That's it's a good too point. overkill. That's a good point. Yeah. It's like caramelized almost. Like after a few of them, after one big beef rib, you're pretty much like done for. Yeah. Whereas um, I've taste taste tested my own cooking before, and, and I think, dang, did I already eat a half a rack of ribs? <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. Um, yeah. So I'd love to kind of dive into the art of grilling from like the basic underlying principles to begin with. So. When when you when you're talking about grilling, are you talking about uh, just just cooking outside? Like, what 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 would you define that as? Because like, is is a pellet grill? Is that grilling in your mind, or is that cheating? Nah, no, it's not cheating at all. We're cooking outside, and if you're liking it and your family likes it, you're winning. I don't care what I got to say. I'm I have no control over that. You know, that's what that's what we feel. But um, for sure, so the the grilling when we're talking about grilling, we're usually talking about high heat stuff. Mm-hmm. We're talking about fast cooked stuff. So whether it's a whether it's a gas grill, which I, I kind of detest, but I still appreciate that people are cooking outside, you know. Um, but, you know, I want a charcoal grill. The charcoal flavor adds something to it that you just cannot get on a gas grill. But anything like that, when I'm adding smoke and high heat, you know, based off that flame, that's more grilling. Now, pellet grill you know, those are generally going to be indirect heat. It's not going to get right onto the meat. And a pellet grill is considered a wood fired grill, not an electric or grill. Mm-hmm. And then so but generally for that, you're just getting really the smoke infused in there. And, and you know, and I love a pellet grill. And I mean, they're essentially outdoor ovens. You totally. dial in the temperature and you get it. So a lot of traditionalists, they hate them. Because there's no fire management, there's no machoism of hey, I started this fire, and now I'm cooking over this fire, but um, but they're excellent, you know, because they, you know, it's there's so many other factors in producing good barbecue that if you can take out the fire management part, then that just helps people get out there more, you know, and so that's just one way to do it. So to answer your question, grilling, we're thinking hot and fast, we're thinking direct fire. Gotcha, gotcha. So do you do a lot of like super slow cooked like barbecue, like 12 hour you know, brisket barbecue cook and stuff like that? 
Yeah. So, you know, it's funny with me. I, I Man, I do. I do a little bit of everything. And I, I'm the type that I, I might not even do the same thing twice in the, you know, in the same few months. So it's like it depends on the week with me. But I'm, I'm a little different cat. I got a bunch of different cookers and different style of cookers. And, and I like them all sort of for what they can do. I like the journey of sort of learning the best way to use one cooker over the other. So, um, so sometimes I'm feeling like, you know what, I'm going to go low and slow. I'm going to put this on my pellet cooker. I'm going to sleep through the night and I'm going to do this. Other times I'm like, I'm going to split my brisket because the brisket is made up of two muscles. You got the flat, which is a lean side and you got the fatty side, which is the point. Mm -hmm. And so the traditional barbecue people, they, they take that whole brisket, which might be sometimes 15 to 18 pounds and, They'll have it just they'll leave it just like that and they'll smoke it. And they'll, you got to smoke it for like 14 hours or something like that. But me, I'll trim them up. I'll, I'll completely separate those two muscles. And now I'm got now I got them as sort of as lean and there's not as much fat on it and stuff. But that allows me to create bark all the way around. And, and sometimes I'll even put them on my vertical drum. And so I, I can even hang those. And so it's like now instead of 14 hours, now I'm done at like four hours you know and i got excellent smoke on it i got great tenderness and great flavor you know and i didn't have to do that for 14 hours yeah that, so, that uh, makes a lot of sense for sure i feel like a lot of people and you probably see this all the time they're just like bombarded and kind of overwhelmed as far as like where to even start grilling i mean pe people we live in a society we live in a, a day and age in which most things are just push button and there's certainly advantages to that but that said it makes the older fashioned styles of cooking seem like archaic and, and almost just so so big of a hurdle to jump that most people don't even take that jump. So like what would you recommend for people that are just wanting to get into it and and, and produce a quality piece of meat that they can feel proud of? Man, you hit the nail right on the head. That is like actually our ideal client avatar. That's what who we are trying to speak to. Because of that, I, I was just in L.A. and I ate at a place that they said they got the best Texas type brisket in all of L.A. And, um, you know, and I had it and, and, it, and it wasn't that good. Mm -hmm. But then I thought, especially in L.A., a very dense city, you know, people don't have probably backyards and place to put smokers. And, you know, so it's like, how can they even get how can they even do this to where me? It's like, well, I can go cook one tomorrow, you know, so. I understand how people could rate that so highly because of that sort of that lack of being able to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And what we do at the grillcoach.com, what we started on is that whole same principle was, you know what, let's let's take the curtain away. Let's take the difficulties away from people. Let's encourage them to get outside and, and saying, hey, barbecue is not only a, a weekend event, you know, what I mean, but you, it's something you can do during the week. You know, so we started with three simple items and one. I, the first item is a meat thermometer. So a digital meat thermometer, because there's no witchcraft and you want like sort of all of these different sayings to say when something is done. But you want to cook it to the right temperature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was speaking to a colleague today because I, I gave him a meat thermometer a couple of weeks ago and he told me how, how he's been using it like crazy. And, and I was just like, it's it's a game changer in your house, you know, whereas before I had a guy, he would barbecue chicken 
put some sauce on it, and then he was always worried about being done. So then he'd put it in a microwave before serving. Mm. You know, it's like, so it's like if you have a meat thermometer, you could take all that guesswork out, you know, like, hey, this is where I'm cooking to. So, um, is there a particular the, thermometer the, you recommend? You know, I, I like the Javelin, it's a little Javelin Pro Series. And then uh, also any by anything by ThermoWorks. ThermoWorks is such a like um, uh, I guess a well-defined quality company, and and just everything they make works. But the great thing now is that these thermometers are so readily available. You get on Amazon, you can probably pick up one for twenty twenty-five dollars, and um, you know, and that's how I even got mine. And the Javelin, man, I leave I abuse that thing. I leave it outside. It's in the sun. It's in the rain but it always works and you know, it's magnetic. So I could just stick it to the side of the grill. You know, it's excellent. Love. I love it. You know, but uh, you know, I don't care which one you get. You just got to get a digital. Right. Totally. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're like freaking those, uh, Bluetooth now. I mean, they're all kinds of fancy. Yeah. Some of them are getting fancy, fancy. And, and that's where like, you know, Hey, I want to be outside with my grills. I don't want to be sitting on the couch, like looking at it, but you know, that that's, for a different level. And so we, we're still trying to keep it simple for the, the basic cook, you know, so totally. Uh, yeah. So, so our second item though, is kosher salt. This is um, not the table iodized salt, the stuff that you put on the end of something. Kosher salt has a lot bigger, like coarse grains. Mm-hmm. And it actually has a different chemical compound, even though salt is like sodium chloride, but the kosher salt, I can't remember the actual term now, but I did write about it on our site, but it's composed a little different, but what it does is we use it in a dry brine fashion. So any chance you get, even if it's only an hour before you put kosher salt on your protein, whether it's chicken or any kind of beef or any kind of pork, that kosher salt will help your meat retain moisture and provide flavor throughout. And the reason why is because all of these spices that we use, salt is the only one that's water soluble. And most of our proteins are mostly water. And so when you put that salt on there, that salt's going to basically, it's going to now combine with the moisture or the the moisture content of there. And it's going to try to reach equilibrium. So that's the only sort of product that you're going to get in meat. So so like even I talked about the pre wrap stuff or pre-seasoned stuff, when you pull the packaging off of there, all of that seasoning comes off and it's still on the package. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's actually like going into the meat is your is the salt and that creates that flavor. So the thicker the meat, the longer you put the salt on, you know, so um, so so kosher salts are other like simple one, just gotcha. meat thermometer, kosher salt. Have you ever used then, uh, the Redmond Real Salt by chance? Redmond Real Salt. Yeah, I'm right. Ne- I'm gonna write that down right now. Let's oh man, you never had that. That's that's gonna that's gonna be a game changer for you. It's it's the tastiest salt I've ever had. It, it's really popular in the keto community because uh, Redmond Real Salt, like the company, they're really prominent at the conferences and whatnot. But the salt is mined from um, Utah. They've got a big mine, salt mine in Utah, and it's all underground. Uh, so it hasn't been you know disturbed like a lot of the. You know, sea salt that you get has the contaminants, the the plastics and everything from the pollution, whereas this salt is all mined from deep within the earth. And there's no contaminants, no pollution. And the flavor is just, it's it's unparalleled. All right. I, I'm going to check that out. Thanks for that tip. Yeah, man. 
You know, that reminds me, one of the things that we do on the Grill Coach, our core value is to learn, teach, and share. And, and I put learn in front because us, even just three of us hosts, like, man, we're learning. You know, we're, we're constantly learning, you know, just better and different ways to cook. Totally, you know, man. So well, I'm, I'm learning now. So what, what's the third tip? So the third tip is uh, is a good knife. Ah. You know, believe it or not, it's it's just so many times I would end up at people's house and when you get known as the barbecue guy, hey, come help this and come help that. And you're and you're getting the stuff out of the knife drawer, you know, and the knife edge looks like it's a little piece of bacon all rippled up and stuff. It's like, <laughs> what am I supposed to cut with that? You know, but but the reason why we have that good knife is because so we can trim, you know, we can take off the silver skin off of any meat. We can take off the fat you know, that like that we don't want, you know, sometimes we want it, sometimes we don't, but it's like, but we can control that. And then the other part is when your protein is done, because you can cook something great, but if you cook it, I'm sorry, if you cut it along the wrong way and you cut it with the grain, it'll still come out tough, you know? So it's like, you really have to control that. So it's, uh, you know, so those, those three simple things that, you know, that thermometer, kosher salt and, and, and a good knife. You have a preferred knife sharpener? Do you like use one of those rod sharpeners? Or do you have like the what what do you use there? So the rod is actually like they call it a straightener. It's not a sharpener. And um that rod is one of those things should be used like essentially every time before you cut. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like and I do a three, two, one, three on one side, two, and then one on the other side. So it's like um you, you want to do that constantly. But the sharpening, I when you buy a good knife. I really believe you need to get them professionally sharpened. And that doesn't mean some people can't learn to, you know, sort of sharpen at home or whatnot. But, uh, you know, just depending on the blade, whether it's a German style blade or Japanese style blade, there's different angles and things like that. And really to maintain the best quality, I, I go to like Sir La Taub or William Sonoma or someplace like that. And a lot of times they'll sharpen them like $5 each. You got to leave your knife there for like a week or something like that. But, um that that's a game changer it really lasts with, gotcha. with your knife i got that makes sense for sure all right what what's uh what's next in the lineup so you got you got those three items there what about the grill what do you what do you typically suggest for people just getting started as far as grilling goes so i i usually give like here's two options you know one depending on how much work you want to do you know knowing your own personality if you want to really get out and you want to like start getting your hands dirty with it and you want to sort of like learning about playing with fire, then I would say just get the standard Weber kettle because you can get that for $150. So, and you can do absolutely everything you want to do on that. And, um, but you know, it's something that's cheap, very versatile, and you can go that way. Now, if you're the type that, you know what, I don't have a lot of time. I don't want to be outside a lot. I don't really want to deal with it. You know, I just want to have the good food. Then I say you got to go a pellet cooker, you know, and uh, the pellet cooker is is the gateway drug to me for just anything barbecuing. You know, that one is going to be a little bit more, um, you know, a Traeger entry level is going to cost you 600 bucks. But I, I feel like it's well worth it. If you were going to get a new oven or a new new stove in your house, you wouldn't bat an eye at 600 bucks, you know, because mm -hmm. it's an appliance. So you would treat that pellet cooker the same way, but it's very easy maintenance. You know, you're not having to manage a whole bunch of things like that. And um, I'm a, I'm not sponsored or anything like that, but 
I say go Traeger because I've had a Traeger for probably 10 plus years and I'm getting a newer one. You know, they just, they're top notch quality. However, there are a lot of pellet cookers on the market now and they're getting more competitive and it still meets our criteria of getting outside and grilling. So it's like, you know, just, you know, you get something like that, you know, uh, so it depends on the type of person. Either you go kettle grill, start learning something about charcoal cooking, or you go pellet grill. Which uh, which model? I've got a Traeger as well. Which which model do you have? Is it the the Pro version, the Timberline? I think they're interested. I forget. I, I think mine is so old. I don't think they have. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've changed their nomenclature since then, huh? Man, yeah, the you know the the uh, the tag or the you know the all the stuff fell off of it. I mean, this thing is just you know. Um, I think it was right after they converted, like using the wooden handles, is one I got. But mm, gotcha. it, it is a, one of the old ones. But uh, but yeah, the now They're they got the though. Pro series and the uh, Ironwood series and a um, Timberline series. Gotcha, and gotcha. Me, I'm going Timberline. Uh, Timberline is the top notch. You know, um, Timberline. It's got it's got an amazing controller, and it's got double wall construction for retaining heat. And when you, when you're cooking, that's one of the biggest things that you want to worry about is consistent heat retention mm-hmm. yeah the traeger's are next level man kind of going back to those bluetooth thermometers traeger's like you you can you can be getting gas you know 20 miles away from where you're cooking and you can adjust the temperature as needed you know without even being anywhere near the grill which is just crazy to you know compared to what it was like 10 years ago with cooking they, it, it is and that's why i i'm i'm such a traeger fanatic because I know some of the history and I know that some of the people they put on the team when they came out with the redesign because they have the one Traegers that have the bronze cover Mm -hmm. and that's sort of like still the older generation. But now, yeah, they're, they're, they're going, they're going next level, you know, essentially to me, they're, they're McDonald's and then everybody else is chasing them, you know, they're Toyota, you know, and then some people are chasing them, you know, that's, that's how I feel about Traeger. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. With regard to the charcoal, what what do you think? I'm sure you're probably like a like a using a, using a chimney and not the lighter fluid, right? Well, you're half right. Definitely, that lighter fluid is terrible. That's the devil's urine right there, man. It's just no matter what, stay away from lighter fluid. You know, um, just a quick story. I take my wife one day for lunch, and we stopped at a local barbecue place just to try it out. You know, no, I want some barbecue, and man, I tell you, they put my plate down. It was a closed clamshell in the middle of my table, and immediately I, I get I get the hint of lighter fluid. I get the hint of the fuel. I smell the fuel on it, mm. you know. And and so and I'm afraid that a lot of people they think that that's good. They think that that's good flavor, you know. But you know it's similar to me too because um, Kingsford charcoal that's the blue bag. Mm-hmm. That's the most common sort of charcoal used everywhere. When you first burn that Kingsford charcoal, you get a bluish smoke coming off of there and you get a very distinct smell. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the petroleum products that's used to bind the charcoal together. Now, I, I don't want that on my food. And, and it still smells good when it smells it just because, again, you're bringing back those childhood memories of, oh, yeah, we're out here barbecuing. You know what I mean? It's like... You know, I was catering one time and a guy says, man, I don't know what you guys are doing back there, but it smells really good. 
And that's all we had going was the charcoal. We had no meat, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but, uh, but when you get that fuel on your food, now you cross the line, you know, a a guy at the, at at the office, he brings me some ribs that he cooked over the weekend and he gave me a little Ziploc bag. And I said, you use lighter fluid, didn't you? He says, how do you know? I said, man, look, smell that. And mm-hmm. he says, it smells like barbecue. I'm like, that's fuel, you know, because a lot of times people don't know what like good smoke flavor smells like on your meat. So, um, so sorry to rant there about, no, no, I'm, I'm in complete yeah. agreement, man. I haven't used lighter fluid in years. I, I refuse to. Yeah. So, um, so it's funny. So on, on our, with the grill coach, there's three of us and we all do something a little different, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, one of us uses the ring, the 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 charcoal starter, um, the the chimney. Mm-hmm. That's like religious. And, and me, I use an electric ring. You know, so I'm basically putting my piles, my charcoal in a pile, sticking my ring in there for five minutes, and I'm good to go. I've, I've never even seen these. So you just make a pile of charcoal, and then there's just like a device that you stick in the middle of it. Or how does that work? Yep, you you stick stick that in the middle of it. It it gets up to about two thousand degrees. You know, and and then you uh there's not there's no more other fussing with it at all you know so um and i think actually one of our guys uses a combination of both he uses the charcoal chimney and the ring but uh hmm. yeah you know it just didn't work the time well when i plugged it in and then i went to costco and i forgot that it was plugged in ah yeah that that wouldn't be good <laughs> that wouldn't yeah be good. I, I called my teenage daughter. I was like, hey, is the back patio on fire or anything? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that just that's much quicker and just more, I mean, pretty painful. It's cleaner. Yeah, it's cleaner. Yeah, it's cleaner. It's real quick. You know, I, I got to have a plug source, you know, so that can be a little bit pain in the butt. But, yeah, I, I, I dig it. You know, one of the things that, like, you know, that's something that allows you to be able to do this during the week. You know, my early journey of cooking and especially cooking with charcoal was a lot of times I'm spending an hour or so just to get the charcoal lit, mm-hmm. you know? And so that takes it all out of it. So that it really helps. There's another device out there. It almost looks like a hairdryer, but it's a little like flamethrower. Mm-hmm. And so you can use those people. People can use those as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Have to check those out for sure. And then, what what's what's next in line? We're just kind of going through the whole step by step process here for anybody listening that wants to perfect. What 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 food are we cooking? First of all, let's 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 make a let's make an example meal here. What what do you want to recommend for people uh, as far as just a good foolproof food to start with? So so let me let me if I can like expand on the charcoal before I answer that one. Yeah, for sure. So when you're doing it and you have no matter what device you have, if you're cooking on charcoal, you got to have two zones. You got to have an indirect zone. You got to have a direct zone. And so you you can't just, you know, I, I, another story is I helped my church help them cook one time. And these guys, man, they filled up the whole thing with charcoal. And then, and then now you got every single inch of this thing just burning with fire, you know. And now they put burgers on top of that. And that burger, the grease just starts hitting that fire. And when you get that grease hitting that fire, all you do is going to get flames and stuff like that. And it's control uncontrollable. You can't manage anything, you know, so it's like you need to have a, a direct side and an indirect side. That's one of the most simple and basic things that you got to do with the charcoal grill. Totally agree. So when you talk food, one of the best things, that especially you can start out with 
it is the chicken thigh. Uh, the chicken thigh, you can go boneless, skinless, or you can you can do the full thigh. You know, um, I always recommend to trim your meat regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, so it's, you know, whatever that thigh looks like, especially sometimes if you buy the full thigh on there, sometimes they'll have extra skin that's wrapped around the backside even, you know, and so it's like, you, you know, you still want to trim that up, you know, so you still want to control that. But the chicken thigh is something that you can dry brine, put some salt on it ahead of time. Now, you can't really put it on the skin. The salt is not going to interact and dissolve on the skin. You need to put it on the meat side. Mm. But um, Or you can do something more of like a wet brine. But basically, it's not your salt's not going to dissolve into that skin. And that's just something to remember. Um, now, the chicken thigh, it... It's really hard to mess up. And that's what it is. You know, it's it's got so much intramuscular like fat. And, you know, and that fat is flavor and it cooks quickly. It's something that takes well to, you know, just the grill and any kind of smoke that you might do. And then also it's so versatile where it's like you can chop it up, put on top of salad, put it in a bowl of ramen noodles, you know have it you know it's just so many different things you can do with it you know um when when you're when you're said and done and they don't take very long so it's something that you can do during the week what uh what temperature you get the grill fired up to at this point well so it's interesting that we get hung up uh, i'm gonna say we because like barbecuers sometimes you get hung up in temperatures and especially when I got real serious in the barbecue, probably 10 something years ago, because I, I did compete in the competition and I was reading books and all. And I was so, so hung up on what's the temperature of my grill? What's the temperature of my grill? And and really, that is not the right questions that we should be asking, you know, what the temperatures we should be one looking at the quality of the fire. And what we want, we don't want a lot of like billowy smoke coming off there. We want it to be burning clean. Mm-hmm. Remember, I mentioned the charcoal and the blue smoke coming off there. When that's coming off there, you don't want to put your food on there. You want to wait until that's burned off and it's burning clean. Um, you mentioned that you did some hunting. So, you know, when you go out hunting and you might build a fire out there, you know, you're always working to make sure that fire gets enough oxygen so that way it burns clean and it's not all just puffy black smoke and stuff like that. Yeah. You got to have know? good wood on there if you're using, if you're cooking with wood. Yeah, so so it's similar to when you're grilling. If you got puffy black smoke coming out of your air, it, I don't care what temperature it is, it's not time to put the meat on, you know. So so it's so you kind of want to almost go like, especially when you talk charcoal, you almost want to think like maybe like a small fire or a bigger fire, you know. Um, you can play around with that because you can cook it well at two fifty, and you can cook it well at three fifty, you know. So. That one, it, that one doesn't matter. What matters is when you're indirect and how much char you're putting on there. And what matters is your internal temperature of that chicken thigh. So you can cook it a little hotter and faster and it's not, not a problem, you know, as long as you pay attention to that, you know, and, and you have that quality of the smoke. Um, now, if I'm doing something on a pellet grill where you have to, you have to dial in temperature, mm-hmm. you know, but see on the pellet grill too, you're also cheating. Because, uh, you know, you're getting clean smoke no matter what you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. it's, it's pretty handy, though. It's definitely a cheat, but it's pretty handy. Oh, it's great, man. It's just like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, start. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That that's uh that's a nerdy contra. <laughs> Sorry, man. I used to play video games. <laughs> no, man, you're 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 on top of it. Yeah, um, and you know what? I love that cheat code though. It's it's great and it has its purpose, you know. So if you were doing something like that, you know, I, I would play around with it. 325, 350, you know, I mean 275, you know, and see what you like best. But really it's about the internal temperature and the quality of the fire. That makes sense, man. I honestly don't cook a whole lot of chicken. I cook a ton of steak. And I've got to the point now, like when I'm using the Traeger, I obviously have you know a thermometer in there, and I'm I'm got it dialed. I normally do like a reverse sear on the Traeger, but when I'm grilling like at the farm or something like that, wanting something quick and quick and easy, I don't even use a thermometer. I I more do it by just the feel of the steak, like how how much give it has as I push down into it. Um, that's probably not the best way to go about. It. It's just kind of what I've you know gotten acclimated to doing, but it's probably not near as consistent. You know, when you cooked 100 steaks, though, yeah. and you know how you like them, and you're cooking them on the same apparatus, and you're cooking the similar type of meats, you can get away with that. Yeah, that's, you know, I don't see a problem with that at all. And, and I think that's what helps us, you know, just is that repetition, that repetition. Rep, what am I trying to say? Repetition. <laughs> totally, man. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, it's that repetition. You know, it's like, oh, okay, after some point in time, yeah, I mean – you know, I'll pull out ribs off my smoker for two hours or whatever, and somebody will be around and say, oh, what temperature? I'm like, ah, it's probably 175 right now. You know what I mean? And they mm -hmm. look at, it, oh, it's 172. How did you know? You know, it's just you do it enough times, you get a feel, you know, but this is um, a, a, another key thing that we like to focus on. And, and I think you already picked up on it. And I love the fact that you said reverse sear, too, because, man, we push that concept. But um, is that you got to cook with all your senses, Mm -hmm. You can't just be blind about it, you know, and just think, oh, OK, well, I did exactly what the book said. I did what the Internet said. It's like, no, you got to be paying attention. You know, you got to be looking at it. You got to be smelling things. You know, this everything sound right. You know, sometimes it's like because you got to be able to, like, be prepared for, you know, what's going on there. And then when you are paying attention and you are ready like that. Then, like you said, you don't need to temp it anymore. You know where you're at. You know where you stand. So you got to cook with all your senses. Totally agree, man. So with this chicken that we got on the grill right now, are we doing like a – is it like a marinade that you're using? Or are you just doing like a dry rub? Or what, what's your typical go-to with chicken? See, that's – the again, I, I don't have no typicals. I, I do, I'm always all over the board. I'm trying different things. Or, oh, let me just do this. Let me do this. Sometimes I don't have time to mess with it. Sometimes, oh, I'll play with it some more. But the chicken thigh is so versatile. So, um, you know, a teriyaki sauce, if you sort of marinate that about 15 minutes ahead of time, that's a really good kind of a thing. Uh, we actually got challenged by one of our guests to cook with gochujang paste. I know what that a, is. What is that? It's a Korean-style red pepper paste. Gochujang. And so um, it's a... <clears throat> We were like, okay, what is this? So this guy, he cooks his pork shoulder with it. So um, I think we tried, one of our guys tried it with chicken thighs, and it just it just came out great. So it's just new, fresh flavor, and I think he did that and some fresh veggies, and dinner is done. You know what I mean? That's your weeknight dinner. So you just but, grilled it and then put that on top of it, or you marinated with that? He marinated that and then and put that in there. I think he thinned it out a little bit, you know, because it was a little thick, hmm. and then pulled it off of there, but it's that... It's really red, peppery, kind of spicy, kind of sweet. You know, of course, it's a commercialized sort of product. So there's all kinds of different ones. And and I've only bought one tube to, to date because I just learned about this myself. <laughs> so, uh, but, I'll have to look into that. You know, 
Yeah, it was just, again, the versatility of the chicken thigh. Because you know what, too? Uh, one time, you know, we talk about beef. I brought in a tri-tip. Mm-hmm. We're big in California with tri-tip. I brought in a tri-tip to the office, and one of the guys tasted it. He says, oh, man, I can taste the rub that you put on there. And I said, I said, I just put salt and pepper. That was it. What? That's all you put on there? You know, because salt and pepper and a little bit of smoke flavor, man, your protein is going to be great. That's the thing, man. I've, I've always gravitated to keeping it super simple, especially with beef. I mean, I'll just do salt. Sometimes I won't even do pepper, but I'll normally just do salt and pepper. I mean, I've had friends in the past that would, like, you know, soak them in, like, Coca-Cola or something so the acid would break it down, and they'd put a whole <laughs> bunch of other seasonings on there, and then they'd throw on the grill, and I'm just like, what are you doing, man? So I just use salt <laughs> and pepper. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, the one story I tell is I had a colleague, he told me one day that, he, he had Lipton onion soup and red wine and something else. And he marinated this tri-tip roast for three days. And, and the, the only thing I kept thinking was, there's no way this tastes like beef anymore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. You Like with the old saying in, in Texas, especially Texas barbecue, is like if it's got a good, if you got good meat and it's cooked properly, you don't need barbecue sauce. And the same holds true with most, you know, fancy seasonings. I agree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So so when you do that reverse sear, are you actually taking temperatures before you sear? Reverse sear, I don't know if your listeners know, but it's you're bringing it protein up to temp slowly and hopefully adding some smoke flavor to it. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to sear it off somewhere. Yeah, what I do with mine, I do this on a Traeger, is all, and it's super easy on a Traeger, man. That's what the Traeger was made for. Is I'll get like a, a real thick, two inch thick, you know, ribeye, um, and then I'll, I'll salt it about an hour before, like I said, use that Redmond Real Salt that I was telling you about. And then I'll get the, the grill up to temp at about 225. I'll put my temperature probe in there and then let it come up to about 115 degrees or so. Then I'll pull it off, crank it up all the way to 500 degrees. And then as soon as the, the grill gets to 500, I'll sear it for about two minutes on each side. And then it's normally, you know, I'll let it rest. And by the time I'm eating it 10 minutes later, it's about 120 degrees, 125 degrees. I cook mine about yeah. medium rare. Yeah, that sounds excellent. And that's, uh, you know, we, we that's the one of the things that we preach more than anything, too, especially when cooking steaks is reverse sear. But almost reverse sear for the chicken thigh, you can do that, um, especially if you have chicken wings reverse sear for chicken wings um you know the, the those things um the pork chops and mm-hmm. pork shoulder steaks another great candidate for reverse sear uh reverse sear is just I like, like so too. safe like you 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 have very little risk associated with a reverse sear with overcooking it because you get it right up close then you just sear it enough to get that char and that texture and it's like it's hard to mess up a reverse sear yeah, and one of the things that really is happening, too, is the intramuscular fat is now you're rendering it. And so instead of it just melting off away, now it's sort of like almost converting to collagen. And it, and it's going to help you retain moisture as well. So it's going to help you keep those juicy flavors. Mm. And, and then it's like seared off after the fact, where if you just put it on there right away, then, you know, all that fat's just going to melt. Like it doesn't base the this. It doesn't base it. Um Cause we do a reverse sear burger as well, you know, so it's like you're not basting it. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be uh, burning off and going right into the into the flames. And see, so I, I like to reverse sear my steak on the Traeger and then I'll finish it off on the charcoal grill. You know, and I'll, I like to do something like that, too. 
but and now yeah. I'm getting fancy because I'm using two grills at the same time. <laughs> hey, that, that's <laughs> definitely going to give you a better flavor because there's there's no way. I mean, I love my Traeger. Don't get me wrong, but it can't compete with a charcoal grill for just like the 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 char and the texture you get with a really high heat. I mean, you just can't really replicate that with the Traeger. Yeah, and, you know, and then sometimes doing my mind too, it does think that like, man, do I really want to fire up this charcoal grill and run all this charcoal for two minutes on each side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, you could do it pretty good with like a, a cast iron skillet, but again, you're not getting the smoke there. You're getting the texture, but not the smoke. So it's kind of a give and take, no matter what you do. Yeah, excellent. Yep, that's right. What's your opinion of like the uh, like sous vide steaks, where they'll they'll cook it in water and they'll pretty much get the temperature you know dialed in perfect, and they'll just sear that. Do you have an opinion there? Yep. I got nothing but opinions for you, but <laughs> one thing is. In, in my in my older age, I tread very lightly because back in the day, I had a big green egg. Mm-hmm. You familiar with that one? Mm-hmm. So I had the big green egg, and I believe that that was the only cooker you ever need. That was the absolute best cooker out there, and everything else was like was second place. Uh, and pellet cooking, I felt like there was no way pellet cooking is any good and can be any good, and I was totally against it until my friend was selling his Traeger for $300. (laughs) And so I was like, well, let me try it. And then I tried it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) So so sous vide in general, I'm not a fan, but I don't have one. And, you know, and and I I can see that restaurants are doing it now a lot, you know, and and even a couple of my friends sometimes they'll cook with them, you know, and so uh, and, and they're producing good stuff, you know. So it's, it's it's back to my core value. If, hey, if you like it and it's working for you, you're winning, you know. But, um, but you know, the one thing that tips me crazy is when people are doing briskets and they're, like, putting them in the sous vide bath for, like, four days or something like that. Mm, yeah. And then putting them on the smoker. I was like, now nah, that seems to be going way overboard. But, yeah, you something know, who just knows? seems weird about cooking my food in plastic and then water, I just, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of that. There's, there's silicone uh, bags now, but I don't know, like, it's it's really good. I can see it being used in restaurants because it just, it, again, makes it super, you know, consistent. You can always have, like, a, you can have a bag of all your medium rare steaks, a bag of all your medium, well done, et cetera, and then just sear it. Um, so it makes it really repeatable and scalable, but, it, again, it just doesn't have the same flavor as something that's just cooked on over fire the entire time. I, I agree. And then once you can do a reverse sear... Why do I need to be mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Now ask me this in February after somebody bought me a sous vide for Christmas and I've been using it for a few months, <laughs> and they'll be like, "Oh my gosh, it's the best!" No, I don't know. <laughs> do, do you still use the uh, the big green egg? Well, interesting story about that. And the short answer is no. the 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 long answer is, I was taking it to my job for our company picnic, and. My boss was coming early in the morning in his truck, and I know he didn't like to be up early. So I thought, well, let me help him out. Let me get this bad boy out to the front so that way we can just drop it in his truck and go. Mm-hmm. And as I was lifting it over the threshold by myself, this big old heavy thing, something happened and it just tipped over. And it took about 30 minutes to fall over, it felt like, because it just tipped so slowly and slowly. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And and that's and it just hit and it just broke just all over the place. I just, bet you said a bad word or two. 
yeah, sure did. I was like, it, and it wasn't even a fantastic break either. It was like flaccid, just blah. Like, man, and and I, I about cried. I felt like, and then I, I'm going around the house, and my wife was like, "What's the matter? Is the meat okay? Is this?" And I'm like, "Worse." She's like, "What's going on?" I was like, "I don't want to talk about it." I just closed <laughs> the door and, and walked away, and and came back the next day to clean it up. I had to put some chalk around it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like this is where my big green egg died. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny, man, because I see people like there's there's just like a devout big green egg like cult it seems like people that use that are like die hard and there's like all these little outlet stores that that sell them um i've never cooked on them i've never i don't even think i've ever eaten it off of them but they seem to be incredibly popular but they're they're much slower uh to to cook with than like a like a traeger would be right yeah you know see so one of the things even though i felt like you know i had this thousand dollar grill that i tried to lift break on me you know um that's supposed to laugh my lifetime but uh, one of the things that like learning through that is like I didn't buy another big green egg, you know, because I sort of learned like, OK, different ways about cooking. And one of the things I didn't like about the big green egg is that to really get a low fire, you had to choke off the airflow. Mm-hmm. And when you choke off the airflow and you try to mix in like wood chips or a wood chunk, what you do now is now you start to smolder it. Like, like, for instance, I used to soak my wood chunks, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then even sometimes I get real fancy and I would soak them in beer I was like, oh, it's going to be real good, mm-hmm. you know, but but really, I, you know, it's not soaking up any water. That's why they make boats out of wood because they don't soak up water, you know, and so all you're doing is wetting the surface and you're making it harder for it to burn. Mm-hmm. So then when you do put it on there, it smolders even more. Gotcha. So. So you're getting bad smoke on meat. And so a lot of times I had a hard time cooking certain things on there because because of that smoldering, you know. So um, I, I probably need to learn better to cook on it, you know. But but I, and generally, I felt like if I only had one cooker and I wanted to be versatile, that's a pretty good one to have. But, you know, me, I, I've had up to eight different cookers at one time, you know, just because I like the versatility of all of that stuff. Totally, man. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're amazing, though. They, I would say that they are amazing. And you just have to you just have to learn it a little better, you know. And so but have you ever I, seen... I replaced mine with a kettle and a pellet cooker? Yeah, yeah. You can't go wrong with the pellet, man. You just they're hard to beat. Have you ever seen the um, I think they're called auto wild grills. They're, they're gaining a lot of popularity right now, too. They're, it's propane, but it's not like a propane grill in the you know traditional sense of the word. It's like it's like this. I don't even know how to explain it, but it, they're it steak cookers. That's what they are. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. They're little like like little flash like ovens almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like blast ovens. Yeah, but you yeah. cook like a steak in just a matter of minutes uh, or seconds. I mean that that I could see the appeal to that. Yeah, but it's gas. That's true. That's true. That's, that's why I haven't pulled a trigger <laughs> on it. I haven't pulled a trigger on it. I mean, I'm all about being convenient and quick with things, but it just seems like I don't know. I, I don't. I, and they're expensive, I'm pretty sure. I think they're they're pretty pricey. But if you put them on your Traeger, get some good smoke flavor on it, and then throw it in there and to sear it, it off, it might be amazing. That's true. That's true. So many different yeah. ways to do it, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it I'm gonna throw it out there in the universe on my on, on the Grill Coach podcast and see if auto grillers will send us something to try out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they've been they've been sending a bunch of them out, man. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they sent you one. You could do like a review video or something on there. 
yeah. Um, yeah get, put them to the test, man. Put them to the test. Yeah, but I warned them. I say, hey, if I don't like it, I'm going to tell them I don't like it. <laughs> totally. Do you ever cook a lot of lamb or you stay away from the lamb? You know, I I, I generally stay away from lamb. And, and I think I think it's I haven't really given it the fair shake. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Central California and there's I don't know the quality of product I'm getting mm. or that I can even can get, you know, and, and even though they might have some at Costco, you know, I, I don't trust all the Costco meats mm-hmm. also, you know, so, you know, and sometimes you get something that's like, oh, product of New Zealand, you know, this or that. So it's like, I don't know if I'm, you know, getting the good stuff. So I feel like I just didn't have a good introduction into it, you know, gotcha. and, and, uh, and I'm not really sure where to go. I, 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 I I feeling like I stay away from the gamey meats, mm-hmm. but more and more I'm learning that it's just a matter of where those gamey meats are coming from because, you know, like what they're fed and, and how they're taken care of and whatever changes and really affects their flavor. hundred percent. So, man. um, that, yeah, that's, so, that's so much the impact right there. Like we, we raise lamb, um, you know, for our own consumption. So we have lamb and we'll, we'll cook them, uh, Argentine style over an, an asado, uh, oh, which is the subtle cross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll just we'll just split oh, the awesome. the lamb in half. Like we'll butcher the lamb, split the lamb in half, um, and then you know put it over the asado, and then cook it right there, um, just as fresh as it gets. And that's that is that's the way to eat lamb. And I can't I can't oh, recommend goodness. that enough. I want to do that so badly. Like I just <laughs> want to be around that. That looks amazing to do that. Yeah, that's that's the way. If it's a lot more intensive. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of hard from a temperature regulation standpoint because you got part of the lamb that's much closer to the coals than the other. Um, but that's that's the way to do it, man. It's hard to beat. Just get clean fire, right? As long yeah. as you got a clean fire, you can make it work. Totally, man. Totally. I love it. I love it. So what what's in the pipeline for you, man? You got the the brand. You got the podcast of your of your own. Uh, what, what do you see coming? So really, what we're 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 feeling this out, and we want to see you know what twenty twenty one brings, but we really have been focusing on just putting together content each week. You know, when we first started this out and one of the guys on my team, you know, he, he was like, you know, man, do we have enough to talk about barbecue and grilling, you know, all the time. But now we just find there are so many topics, so many things we can go through day to day, you know, and then we're getting a lot of response from people all over the world, which is, you know, um, uh, flattering and fantastic, you know, but, it's it's just it's just continue to impact people, you know. So one of the things we want to we want to work on is we want to work on actually putting out a, a our own ebook mm-hmm. for intro to charcoal grilling, you know. Um, we might we might just even keep it just around the Weber kettle, just because of how commonplace that is. And so we might just call it like kettle cooking one hundred and one. Um, you know, we actually want to see how we can better help people outside. So there's, I mean. I, I can't tell you how many times and probably just like you in your profession, how many times you get texts from people that, you know, what do I do this? What do I do here? What do I do here? You know, and, and that's the people that I want to help, you know, so maybe we're, you know, Adam actually gave me the idea of doing sort of like hot seat sessions and having them come on our podcast and we can talk or walk through a cook, you know, something of that nature. Um, I'd really like to kind of get barbecue classes going on, you know, at, at some point in time. You know, but I, I got so many sort of ideas and just things I want to go with it. I, I want to get on some barbecue road trips, 
you know, and even just, you know, talk about barbecue and like, how can we spread, spread out more? I mean, because there's so many people that I know too, that they, my wife was one of them. She said, Oh, I don't eat barbecue. She tears up everything I make. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, totally. I'm barbecuing, you know? <laughs> so it's like, sometimes people think barbecue is just something bathed in sauce, you yeah. know, and that's it, you know? So it can be so much more than that. Um, so yeah, so it's just, you know, we're, we're, we're actually going to be meeting soon, the three of us. And it's important to me that we, we, we are authentic to who we are, you know, and we're not sort of out there just to please somebody. We're not out there just sort of hunting to try to just get products and get free stuff. But it's a matter of really, you know, that learn, teach, share. We're just sort of creating that community and, and that culture, you know. So, um, so we're going to be exploring how we can expand that. I love it, man. Y'all could do like a, like a video podcast for like the duration of a specific, you know, meat that you're cooking. Um, and then just kind of like just chit chat the whole time it's cooking. But then like that can be the centerpiece of the conversation and then like taste test at the end or something like that. I would, I would totally watch something like that. Yeah, that's what we're kind of thinking. That's something like that. Uh, Adam does pod pals, you mm-hmm. know, and he has just a bunch of people on there. Maybe it's like, okay, we'll have a pod pals and we're going to talk about how we prepare ribs and you can share how you prepare ribs and you and Texas, you talk about how you prepare ribs and we'll just, and it's just all learning from each other, you know, and how we're all sort of winning in our own ways too. So that's something that else I've been thinking about too. I love it, man. I mean, I think there's like around that niche, around that genre, I mean, cooking, grilling, barbecuing, like that that's such a it's got such a devout following group that I feel like you'd have just endless endless questions, endless opportunity for content. I feel like that take hold no problem. Um I feel like hell man, you're you're the guy to do it, so might as well grab life by the horns and make it happen. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. That sounds awesome. Thanks. Absolutely. Well where can people go to find out more about you currently? The the website, thegrillcoach.com, right? thegrillcoach.com yes sir that's where we are at we are are the grill coach podcast where every thursday come rain or shine we are putting out an episode and uh we typically do uh, like one guest per month and one of the things i am sort of proud of our group is that our podcast is content based you know so it's like you're gonna get you know the 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 guests that add to the show you know it's not just the guests are the show you know Mm -hmm. um so it's like you know, similar to what you do, you have your brand and you got your products and you have all of this stuff and then everybody else is just sort of adding to that, you know. And so, um, so I, like I said, being able to create something like this, it, it's been it's been real special. And so um, the Grill Coach podcast is uh, is is what we put out. I love it, man. I love it. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to chat with me. I don't normally, like I said, I don't normally cook chicken, but after after the conversation today, I think I'm probably going to go buy some some chicken thighs and throw those on the trigger this evening that'd be awesome yeah man <laughs> put it on instagram and uh and and tag us at the grill coach i will yeah, man. That'd be cool i will for sure well, jay appreciate the time man and you keep killing it brother all right thanks sir appreciate it